Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to the Neil Before Pod interview segment. I'm your host, Craig, and recently I had the chance to chat to actor Derek DeVilliers, who will appear in the upcoming Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins movie. We talk overcoming a chronic illness, following your dreams, and learning how to behave on set. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. So I'm delighted to be joined on Neil Before Pod with Derek DeVilliers. How are you doing? I'm excellent, Craig. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to have you on. Genuine pleasure. So let's just get started with the beginning. How did you get into the wonderful world of acting and the weirdness of the entertainment industry? Well, living in Vancouver, it surrounds you and it's kind of been a hub for film for a long time. The first time I ever was introduced to film was there was a television show called 54321. And it was like like a contestant show and I was 10 and I wanted to be a contestant, but they put me in the audience. And I remember I just sat in the middle of the audience with my hand on my knee and on my chin pouting and I was wearing all white. So it was so obvious. And I remember this girl from my school, she's like, were you on the show 54321? And I started laughing at her because I knew what I looked like sitting there pouting, (laughs) but I was 10 at the time. And then I didn't pick it up again until a girlfriend at the time. In 1995, we'd always watch television and there was like Sally Jesse Raphael and all these like Ricky Lake kind of shows on. And we were watching this one show, the Tempest Bledsoe show, and she had just finished the Cosby show and she was doing a a talk show and we called in and they're like, if you want to be contested on this show, leave blah, 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 leave this message. So she just left this message. And a month later, we answered the phone. It was the producer from the show wanting us to come down. So they were like, we're going to pay for your gas from Vancouver to Seattle, pay for a flight from Seattle to New Jersey, pick you up with a limousine, and we're going to pay you a hundred bucks to spend. So we were like, yeah, we were like 20 years old. We were like, sign me up. So then I met a couple actors from LA at the time who were on that show. And that's kind of really when I got my buck. And I was like, oh, maybe we can really do something here. So I came back and I took a couple of classes or a program, acting program at John Casablanca's. They had an acting program at the time. They don't have that anymore. But I was also working a job in printing with my parents. So I was torn between the two. I had to pick either my passion of wanting to pursue this wonderful art and dream. And I lived on my own on the time, or do I have to pay my bills and have my full-time job in security? So I remember I chose that path, a secure path. And I remember it breaking my heart at the time. I can remember the exact day. I can remember the conversations that I had. And I just felt like I was giving up on my dreams, always sitting in the back of my mind and in my head, like, what if this, or what if I had done that? So fast forward some years, I came down with a chronic illness called ulcerative colitis that literally ripped my life from me and everything in it, my union job being one of them while I was in the hospital recovering from my illness one time and recovering from that flare up and being fired from that job. I I really didn't have a future plan. I was just living day to day. And I really felt like my faith in humanity was crushed at that time because I didn't understand how people could do that to someone in that position in life, suffering and just trying to live. I just wanted meaning and I wanted fulfillment. So I just really sat with myself in that time of healing. And I asked myself, I was like, if I had all the money in the world, what would you do? Because you have to do something. You know what I mean? You can't just sit around and watch TV all day. If you have a zillion dollars, you have to be proactive and you've got to be creative. And if you want fulfillment in your life, and that's what I wanted. So acting is the thing that I came back to that I gave up on that I didn't want to be on my deathbed regretting one day, like I should have given myself that chance and now it's too late. I I didn't want to have that. And this was my time. This was it. I had lost everything. So let's just go for it. And I started 
Googling acting classes in Vancouver. And I found at the time it was Austin Tuck Studios, now Deb Dowski Acting Studio. And I found my coach, Karen DeSilva, and I started scene study classes. I remember in March of 2013, and I never looked back. And here we are, 2021. And I've been going every single month, every single week. I take maybe a month off a year just to reset my brain. This month I'm going to take off two. And we've been doing Zoom classes since the pandemic hit. I stopped. I booked that Turner and Hooch show from the tapings at home being restricted. So yeah, here we are. It's crazy. It's a crazy ride. I can't believe I made it. Cool. I did see in your press blurb that I was sent about the illness side of things. So is it just that the protection doesn't exist, certainly in the line of work you were in for employees going through things like that? I think it was just the supervisor who did it just shot from the hip and he didn't take any protocols into consideration and he just did it from emotion and he didn't really understand the consequences perhaps and i didn't understand the severity of it either but it was a human rights violation and it was a big thing i had to sue my union it's not something i wanted to do my family worked there i had worked there for many years the person who fired me i'd known him for 15 years they were lining me up to be a supervisor and a manager in that job so yeah it was just a shoot from the hip bad move but it really it was a blessing in disguise, let me tell you, because, man, do I ever feel fulfilled now. Every day, I'm just so grateful that did happen to me. It's weird in hindsight, because it was the worst time of my life, to tell you the truth. But it turned out the best thing happened out of it. So yeah, what's it they say? It's an ill wind that doesn't blow somebody good. Oh, I've never heard that one before. Yeah, I think it's fairly common. But the sentiment is that it's almost everything happens for a reason or whatever. Definitely. I almost feel like I didn't have too much control over this. I put myself in contention for what I wanted to do. But in the end, you never really know how your career or how anything is going to go. You hope and you wish, you dream and you work hard. And I feel very grateful. You took a setback and then you turned it into something really positive. So that's incredibly inspiring to hear. It's good when you get good news stories like that about this horrible thing happened to me, but I managed to change direction and never looked back. So that's really good to hear. Thank you. Yeah, it's still, it's unbelievable to witness them. Even my parents are just blown away because they've known how sick I was. Modern medicine is is a wonderful thing. And, and that's really what it was that changed my life because I was sick for seven years prior to getting this new technology medicine and it changed my life. I wasn't doing acting before that. I wasn't going to background. I wasn't auditioning. I couldn't even see the end of the day, pretty much. The Canadian government does a wonderful job with healthcare. Yeah, we have something similar over here with the National Health Service, which I'm not going to get too political. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's under serious strain, put it that way, but it's a good thing to have. It's that peace of mind that if you get sick, someone will look after you. That's always comforting, I suppose. It is. I couldn't imagine living anywhere else where the healthcare isn't. I couldn't imagine. So on your IMDb page, you started off in a couple of shorts that you're credited in. Did you find that was a really good way to learn the craft, learn how things work on a set, learn all different things and ways of doing things in a shorter form environment? Absolutely. Going from scene study class, I think I did scene study class for, I think it was a couple of years before I even attempted to do those short films. But the universities, Capilano University has been imperative. If you look at the list, I think I have like four films from there, that university and the students there helped me get some traction and understanding. It's a different piece of auditioning and it's good training. That's the way I looked at it. It was training for the next level, but I had to go 
through this step to get to that because they treated it very professional. It was professional. And how else do you learn but being there? I had to fail so many times, but uh, you finally get through it and you get to understand it, I think. And and I think doing those student films is imperative. My coach told me, because I kept asking her, like, what steps do I need to do to do this? Because I thought it was just going to take a couple acting classes and I was going to spin off and I was just going to be this Hollywood working actor. You know, I was so delusional. I had no idea what the craft or the art or any of it was involved. I just saw from the outside and I was like, oh, it's so glamorous and everybody knows your name. And you know what I mean? But <laughs> I realized I don't even want any of that stuff anymore so much. I had so much deeper than all that. And I'm happy. I set out to do in my mind, four student films, and it happened really quick. And we have a lot of, we have SFU, Simon Fraser University, we had Vancouver Film School and various other ones. So I think it's a very good way to dip your feet in the water. Because if you can't get through that process, there's no way you're going to get through the professional process. So it's imperative. I really have a lot of respect for the acting programs that I've worked for and have helped me. It's funny because every program that I've worked on since professionally, those are the people who are I've always heard like, be careful who you're nice or be careful how you treat people because they're the people who you're going to see later on in the industry. And it's absolutely true. Absolutely. I mean, it costs nothing to be nice. No, it doesn't. Just treat people with respect and you'll get the same back, hopefully. It sounds so easy. <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can imagine it was a lot of practical skills you would pick up, like hitting your mark, working with cameras working against other actors while on camera, that kind of stuff. Yeah, memorizing lines and being comfortable with that pressure because it feels like a lot of pressure, especially at first when you're doing it. It's not the same as an acting class where you've been comfortable with those people and your coach, these are new people. And I was a pretty shy person. I still am and introverted. And so I really had a hard time breaking through my own nervousness and anxieties with that. Yeah, it's helped me tremendously like i said i spun my wheels for so long and i didn't get anywhere but i knew that this is what i wanted to do so i had to i had to fail fail and fail some more yeah you learn the most when you don't succeed at something learn how not to do something next time or whatever else yeah and, and those universities and the colleges they're all youngsters too so everybody's rooting for each other everybody's so nice and kind i'm glad i did that and i didn't skip that step definitely and you eventually made your way on to charmed big cw show what was that like what was that like being on that set i've never actually spoken to anybody that's appeared on charm before i've seen quite a lot of it and it's a show that i find it really cheesy but i kind of find it compelling to watch in a way because of how cheesy it is there's a bit of a weird relationship with that show but what was it like being on that set and getting to work with that cast as well well that was my first acting credit unfortunately they didn't use me it was more of a glorified background role i think they used me for like one second and i was like way in the back and i'm about an <laughs> inch big and i'm like blurred but i got my acting credit so i was extremely happy i was like yes that was another brick in my goal road i didn't really have to do anything i was basically a background actor and getting an actor rate so this is cool this is not what i signed up for but i'll take it so yeah, unfortunately, I didn't really get to exercise any of my skills on that show. My background skills, that's about it. But that was honestly just my introduction to casting, probably getting the IMD credit, seeing that, hey, I'm here. And yeah, I was just hoping to get something more. After that one, it felt like I was in the door finally. Must have been pretty cool being on a, a big set like that, because with it being a big show and the sets they built are quite impressive. It would have been that safe space or whatever it was called in season two. You would have been in the Seattle safe space. Yeah, I was in a bar scene, I remember, and I was a vagrant. I was the vagrant leader, <laughs> they called me. 
And yeah, the cast was really nice. I met a couple of the girls and sitting with them. And I just remember looking at one of the leads and she had this team of workers around her. And I was like, I want a team of workers one day. I was just like, oh, she didn't have to touch her hair, make her clothes or nothing. I was like, oh, that's the dream. People getting you snacks, all that stuff. Yeah, professional gold one day. One day, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool. Just getting to be around that because that must have been a good learning experience anyway, just watching how a set like that might run, something big like that. Well, it is, and you're on the front line, so you do learn a lot. My scene, there was a pyrotechnic scene, so they were shooting like big flames. We're burning a demon or something like that in the bar. So like you said, maybe quote-unquote cheesy stories, but it's pretty cool. It's not like going to the office every day. Something's different every day, and it's pretty cool. They're shooting flames like five feet high in the air from like four corners in there, and that's pretty cool. So I was talking to the pyrotech guys, and you meet interesting individuals. Yeah, that sounds cool. Being on a CW set. You get treated a lot better as an actor, even if you don't do anything. <laughs> well, they plan to do something, I guess. It just... <laughs> Tight for time on a show like that. It's got to hit 42 minutes. <laughs> Something's got to go. Yeah, it's all good. I'll take it. My name's still on the credit. I'll take it. For sure. <laughs> and you to appear in Turner and Hooch, big Disney production, uh, known property of old. And did that come about your credit as prisoner in one episode? Is that a bigger role than the charmed one? That is a little bit bigger role. At least I have a line this time. <laughs> And some emotion. I have a scene with some big hitters. Those are all pretty well-known individuals that I'm in the scene with. And that was just fun. That was just so fun. Working with McGee, what a huge name. I felt so lucky, like just working with the one-on-one and then working with him in the scene. Because we worked together for a few minutes just on our scene and he just kept coaching me and doing things. And I remember my coach telling me, if these directors ask you to do stuff, it's not because they don't like you or you're doing something wrong. It's because they like what you're doing and they they want to work. You know what I mean? They're trying to, they're working with you. So I felt really honored and it was a privilege and it was cool. And Josh Peck, you know what I mean? He's a huge star and yeah. And just like on the brand Turner and huge. I watched it as a, as a kid with Tom Hanks. Everybody knows that show. Who's my age anyways. Yeah. And you're part of the Disney machine now as well. And the Disney, that was a huge accomplishment alone. Just getting that Disney accolade. What a dream in its own, just having that name attached to my work or my work attached to them is more like it. <laughs> yeah. And if they like what you do, then I'm sure they'll ask you back for other stuff because there's a million things that they're working on. Oh, I heard that their new catalog that they're working on to fill up the Disney channel is 50 shows deep or something like that. And hopefully they film a lot of it up here. <laughs> it only filmed seven minutes from my house too. Studio <laughs> seven minutes from my house. That was great. I met the animatronics lady and I got to see and touch the animatronic dogs. I got to see the Disney magic up close and personal, which she showed me how they all worked with remote controls and stuff. And kind of geeked out when I was there. And I was just like a kid in a candy store. I didn't want to leave the set. But it was COVID time. I, you got to go, bro. You're only here for four hours. There was only a <laughs> four-hour day, too. So it was really good. Sounds like all that sort of behind-the-scenes stuff appeals to you. How things work, how they put things together. You mentioned the pyrotechnic scene that you were adjacent to on Charmed. So is that definitely something you want to learn more about and 
be involved in. Oh, I love the special effects and being blown up. And they just, they really put a lot of work and, and money and effort into this stuff. It is no joke. It, and it's just cool to be around. I like cars. I wanted to be like a stunt driver. That's what I always love. You're up like Duke's Hazard and like A-Team and Knight Rider. Yeah, I always had this thing. I always wanted to be this character that has this car. Because I don't know, that's kind of what I grew up on. And these main stars or characters and they they always have these cool cars I, that's why i like cars so much i don't know being influenced by pop culture in my life we all have our things that inspire us so if, absolutely maybe one day you'll get to sit behind an iconic car i hope so that'd be so cool we'll put it out there in the universe yeah sure why not what was it like working under covid restrictions i've spoken to a few actors and directors and so on that have talked about what it's been like to readjust their way of working to this new normal that's going to exist for probably quite a while. So how did you find the experience of adjusting to working under that constraint? I actually didn't mind it at all. They send you for COVID tests. I wasn't getting tested otherwise. They tested me four times for that one episode of Turner and Hooch. Just extra precautions. And the safety coordinator on set is very professional. Make sure everyone's masks are up and distanced and no, they're always handing out sanitizers. And I felt very safe. Some people were a little scared to go to set, stuff like that. But I didn't have any issues with it at all. I did not feel unsafe. Just keep your distance and just try to be as cautious as possible. Everyone was professional. And it's a little strange to see everybody masked up and distanced because it is a social place. You, you need to communicate. You need to talk. You need to be alert. I didn't find it negative at all on any of the sets that I've worked on. They're doing such a wonderful job keeping it going the way they are. It's remarkable that they managed to figure out a way to make everything safe and have the audience maybe not notice so much that things have changed. And we'll watch a lot of TV shows that are you know in production. And other than the odd thing here and there, I've barely noticed that there's any difference in filming techniques and whatever. So yeah, I think it's remarkable that they've managed to turn that around and get people back to work. Because I imagine that's was a big bit of anxiety for everybody in your industry. Just when are we going to get back to work? When are we going to go back to earning money and doing what we want to do? Yeah, well, there's a lot on the line, right? We know time is money in the industry. It's probably just get backed up. Studios are booked. There's a whole list of people that are affected. It's going to be nice to not be on Zoom anymore to actually look at my classmates and people in the eye. I made this joke that we're all going to be Max Hedrum. Last year, before this all started, I was like, we're going to be Max Hedrum. And it turned out we're pretty much turned into Max Hedrums. People getting used to only tidying the part of their house that can be seen on the camera. <laughs> exactly. So true. <laughs> So big film coming out that you're in pretty soon, Snake Eyes or G.I. Joe Origins Snake Eyes or whatever it's called. It's got one of those long Origins type titles, but you're in it and you even appear in the trailer, which is really cool. So can you talk a bit about your role, how that came about, what it was like working on the set of a massive blockbuster like that? Oh, man. You know what? Well, I'm going to tell you what I got besides for the audition. I didn't read it properly. So I thought I was auditioning for Snake Eyes. I was like, oh my God, I'm just shaking for snake eyes. <laughs> I just didn't even register anything that I was reading. I was just like, oh my God, I'm auditioning for snake eyes. And the audition was for the next day, I believe. I think it was that morning I was reviewing my work and I was actually reading it. My anxiety had calmed down, I think. And I looked and I was like, oh my God, I'm not snake eyes. I'm the <laughs> ringmaster. So 
I had to make a couple adjustments real quick. <laughs> Let's just say so. I read what it was. I was like, oh, a lot less pressure, let me tell you. You don't have to learn martial arts overnight, for example. I imagine that was a, quite a relief. Yeah. I didn't have to get that matrix download. So that was relieving. And then actually having that audition the day before my birthday was pretty cool too. And then getting the callback from Robert Schwenke. Actually, I did it live, did the called back with him in Shoreline Studios in Vancouver with him in the room. And I don't even know how I didn't fanboy out or geek out or nothing. I kept my composure, but we did the scene a couple of times. And when I left there, I had this sneaking suspicion that I had just got that role. I didn't know what it was in me, but I felt high off life and I just knew it. But then a month goes by and I didn't hear anything and I was like, oh, maybe I didn't get it. And then they call out of the blue. Yeah, you got it. And honestly, that was unbelievable i think i cried for a day fast forward walking on the set i go into a trailer and it's just me and henry golding and the makeup ladies and i'm sitting beside him and i can't even look at him i'm just like oh my god it's six in the morning on a thursday and i'm sitting beside henry golding this is weird and then we drive to set him and i in the van and we show up at the set together and i'm just like what is going on and the set is huge. It's going to be amazing. It looks amazing. And then the first person I run into, the, the TAD, training assistant director, like I was telling you earlier, it was one of the first directors who hired me for a student film. He was <laughs> taking care of me that day. It was the first person I see on set. He's like, hey, Derek. He's like, what do you want today to eat? You want everything? Okay. <laughs> so he went and got me everything. He didn't even ask me. He just like, okay. I told him, I was like, Greg, I feel so grateful to be here. I feel like it's you believing in me. Help me. All these people helped me along my way. And I felt indebted to him. And I let him know that at that moment. It was so cool. And then another PA was another main actor from a student film that I had worked on. And he was like, bro, you're working on the show today? You're acting? He was just so elated. And then couple background people I knew were on the show who I'd done background with. It was so cool. It was like a family. It was like my acting family from so many different areas that I've come up in. And when I was done my scene, I remember, well, it was like three scenes actually. But when I was done that scene that's in the trailer, I just remember hearing my friends from background. They were like, good job, Derek. Like screamed it out. And Henry Golden gave me a pound. And the camera director was like, give me a thumbs up. And, and Robert Schwenke comes running in and he gives me a pound. And he was beaming. And I ran out of there and I, and I was asking my stand-in and another buddy. I was like, guys, how did it look? Their faces were like on the ground. They were like, oh my God, Derek, that looked so awesome. You're all over the camera. Your head is so huge. And I think I was energized for like a month after that. <laughs> yeah, it was an incredible time. I grew up on G.I. Joe. My friend painted me two paintings of Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow like seven years ago and I have them up in my den. Those are my favorite characters from G.I. Joe when I was growing up. Loved karate and ninjas and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's, it's a complete honor to work for Hasbro and Paramount Pictures on a huge level. And that was my first job. Charmer was my first one, but of course they didn't use me, so I had no skills to use. So I have no demo reel or anything so then my first chance i was like oh this is it this is my opportunity i blew it out of the water apparently and i can't even believe i made the trailer i pretty much introduced them to the movie at that point so i had a feeling i was going to be in the trailer but then i saw the first trailer 
and it was so short. I was like, oh, boo, I got depressed. I was like, oh, I didn't make the trailer. Maybe not. Maybe I didn't even make the movie. Maybe I'll be on the editing room floor. And I filmed this in 2019. So it's been forever. I've been waiting for it to come out. It's supposed to come out like three different times. But because of this COVID, it keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed. And yeah, I can't believe it's finally here. Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, and it comes out weirdly like a week after Turner and Hooch. The timing is just impeccable. I just couldn't ask for anything more. You'll be on the small and big screen within days of each other. Days of each other. How unbelievably blessed. I don't know what I did to deserve this, let me tell you. So you say you're a fan of G.I. Joe. What did you think of the previous two live action movies? I really enjoyed them. Particularly the first one. I liked how cartoonish it was. I liked it too. I can't remember which one The Rock was in. Was that the first one? The second one. Yeah. Was it the second one? Yeah, he always makes it so actiony packed. It's hard to make a bad show with that guy in it. I liked them, but I do have a feeling that this is going to look completely different. Like I've seen some trailers that they put out for it and they kind of do like a comic book layover on some of the scenes. I think that would be really cool. It's just, you don't know what they're going to do with it. You don't know how they're going to make it look. It looks amazing. It looks action packed. The scene you're involved in looks like a bit of a cage fight situation or at least some kind of fight club situation. You obviously probably can't give too much away, but I'm guessing at that point he's just going around picking fights in places like that and you get involved from that point. Well, I'm the promoter, so I'm betting on these characters. Right, okay. I'm the promoter slash referee, so I don't even know how much I can say, really. I wouldn't want to get you in trouble. But we do see I raise Henry's Snake Eyes' arm at the end of that scene, indicating he obviously has won that fight. This is what they've shown, so this is what I can say clearly. My character is betting against Snake Eyes, Mojo Raleigh, WWE wrestler. That was a cool experience in itself meeting him and hanging out with him for two days. I thought I had a lot of energy. That guy is off the <laughs> walls. Holy smokes. So you would have got to see a lot of stunt filming then? Yeah, I was sitting in the green room the whole time and I was by myself and they were doing the fight scene out there and Henry came in and I was like, can I go out there and watch what's going on? And he's like, oh, everyone else is out there. So yeah, sure you can. <laughs> I just didn't know my role. I didn't know what I could do if I was going to be in the way. Do I have to stay in here? But I realized I could have really stood anywhere I wanted. I wasn't in the way, of course. And so I just went out there and I watched these guys work. I got to see this guy rehearse his WWE fights and stuff. And honestly, it helped me get into the character. So I was really prepared once my scene started to match their energy. I filmed for two days. I felt the first day was overwhelming. I knew people... The set was so huge. It was like my scene study class on steroids. It was my first job. The director was a big Hollywood director. The stakes are high. And I might even had one of my scenes cut because I wasn't paying attention. And he was asking for lines and I was like daydreaming or something like that. And I just spit them out real fast. And I think it was, I was like, ah, forget it. I had two other scenes. After that first day, I realized that people were talking to me and I was so distracted. We filmed the scenes out of sequence. So that was a little tricky. But I think if you know your homework, that's not tricky. So I had to sit myself down after that first day when I got home and I wrote out a list. Don't talk to anybody. Respect your space. You're here for two days. Work. You're not here to socialize. Respect Robert. Listen to him. I put myself in check after that second day or after that first day. And then I went back and then the second day and filmed that scene that was on the trailer. That second day, I made sure my head was good. My space was good. And I was there to just do my job without a lot of distractions. So it was a big learning curve for me. In so many ways. Just to temper your fanboy instincts. Yeah, and just like your friends are excited for you and people are talking to you and there's so much going on. Everything's moving and sets are changing and 
I'm trying to get a handle of who's who and what's what and what's going on. But I'm so new. I didn't really know what my role was exactly. So I had to find it and find it fast. Because I want to be professional. I said to myself, I don't want to be one of those new actors who just comes in and, I don't know, like a pain in the ass or just too cocky or overconfident. I want to be professional. I want to be respected. That's very important to me to have those qualities as a person too. I want to be respected in this industry as a professional and not looked down upon as a newbie idiot, I would say. And the more big sets you get to work on, the easier it'll get, I would imagine. Yeah, I feel so. And what was Henry Golding like to work with? What's he like to be around? He seems pretty charming and pretty laid back from interviews and things that I've seen with him. That was the first big star I had really worked with. No, that is the first big star I'd ever worked with. I respected his face. I'm sure he has a million things going on in his head. You know what I mean? I don't know what his process is. Even though I was sitting beside him, as much as I wanted to talk to him and pick his brain and this and that, for two days, I just sat there and I just minded my own business. On that second day, I asked him, I was like, hey, can I go out there and watch you guys? And that's when he said, yeah, go on. Sure. Like everybody else is. But other than that, we just did our scenes. We didn't talk outside of it. When we're done, our scenes, the second day finished, nothing else going on. I turned on and I was like, I was like, hey, Henry, that was an awesome day. Thank you so much. Do you mind taking a picture with me for personal one? And he was like, yeah, 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 no problem. He's like, my hair's a little messy. Hope you don't mind. He his hair all quick and big smile on his face. And he just, no problem. I was like, thank you. You're such a gentleman. He was so sweet, so kind. I think what you see is what you get with him. He just told me, he's like, Derek, keep working hard. That's the advice that he gave me. And two days later, I was back in my scene study class. Like nothing happened. And I think Mojo was back two days later or three days later fighting in WWE for the championship belt or something like that. So it was really cool. I just wanted to respect his space and not bug him. Yeah. As you say, as the lead, he would have a million things to do and a million things to think about. So that's a good attitude. Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt his process at all. Yeah, that's fair enough. That sounds really cool. I mean, you have to ask for a picture, don't you? It's just, it's the done thing. (laughs) Yeah. I got with Robert too, but unfortunately I lost a lot of my pictures. I had one with Henry and me. But yeah, yeah, you have to. Yeah. Did it really happen if you don't have a picture? I don't know. <laughs> so what's next for you? What kind of jobs have you got coming up? Is there anything that you can talk about that you're excited about or anything you can't talk about that you're excited for? <laughs> no, it's just more auditions. Head down in the homework. Keep working hard. I'm in the union now, so I'm still doing background. I have a publicist now because of this work, promoting it for the next month. My goal is to get my O-1 visa to work in the States and hopefully get a, an agent down there. That's where all the big jobs are, I, I think. I don't know. That seems everything's filming in Vancouver these days anyway, so I don't even really know. But that has been one of my goals is to acquire my O-1 visa to act in the States. We'll see if that happens. So that's on my list and just... Hopefully be lucky enough to keep working. It's a hard gig. It's not what I thought it was going to be. Like then people got mad at me because I, I was like, I have, I'm just going to get a job in the industry. And they're like, Derek, you don't just get a job. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> you know, you don't just apply for it. And you get it. And there's a lot more to it. And so I found out. So yeah, I just keep grinding. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. I always end the interview on a lighter note. So last question, because this is a nerdy comic book-ish focused podcast. So I always ask, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Ooh, what would it be? I think it would be to fly because, well, for one, it would save the carbon footprint on the environment. And two, you would have to sit in traffic, especially when I go to LA. Uh, LA traffic, Vancouver traffic is much better. You'd have to buy a warm jacket if you're flying high, though. That's the trade-off. <laughs> That's true. 
very popular one. I get it. People like to be places and flying is always one of those dreams, isn't it? Uh, I wish I could be up high. I mean, I don't. I hate heights. I'm afraid of heights. So that wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be up high. But yeah, I get it. I get one fly. I'd like to just go like straight up and get closer to the stars or something. Peek around space or something. I don't need to go too far. <laughs> well, I suppose if I couldn't fall, then I would be less afraid of heights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Falling is not included with the flying capability. Landing comes with it. Landing comes with it. Yeah, absolutely. You just have to learn how to land safely, I suppose. Not like a greatest American hero. Do you remember that show? When that guy, he was like a fake Superman and he always crash landed every time he landed. If you look at Henry Cavill's Superman, he makes a crater every time he lands. So it's same kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True enough. <laughs> he's heavy. Yeah, or just kind of lumbering. <laughs> he just doesn't pay attention to what damage he's Clumsy doing. a bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Superman, you don't have to be. Yeah, why not? That's great. Very best of luck with any future projects that you try to get involved in. Turner and Hooch is coming out, so that's great stuff. Snake Eyes, I will uh, keep an eye out for you when I see it on the big screen when it comes out in the near future. Obviously, I can see in the trailer, but I'll keep an eye out on the big screen. I'll I'll talk to that guy. That's cool. Thank you, man. It's great. Thank you for being inquiring and caring and even taking a minute to talk to me. It's really kind and it goes a long way. In my heart... And in my mind, just anybody who is interested at all in little old me. It's my pleasure. I always love hearing from people that are in things that I enjoy. And Snake Eyes is a film I'm really looking forward to because I enjoyed the other two G.I. Joe movies. So I think I'm going to be in for this one. I think I'm going to enjoy it. It looks like it's going to be a good martial arts fueled romp. So I'm keen for that. Yeah, and it's star studded. So I don't think they're going to go wrong. It's a high powered cast. Yeah, for sure. So good luck with everything. I hope I see you in more projects soon and maybe one day you can come back on the podcast and talk about some other projects that you've been in. Thank you, Craig. It would be my pleasure anytime. I hope I get some more work to talk about as well. I'm sure you will. You certainly seem enthusiastic enough and you know what you're after and that's half the battle. To quote G.I. Joe, that's half the battle. Hey, no one is half the battle, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, had to say it, had to say it. I didn't even plan it. It just happened. Yeah. That was great. Organic. So thank you for your time and the very best of luck. I appreciate it. Thank you, Craig. Take care. That was my chat with Derek DeVilliers. I wish him all the best for his future projects. If you like what you heard here, then please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any major podcasting app. Apple users, please leave us a star rating and a comment. If you want to discuss this interview or anything else, then you can get us on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, I hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod.